Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm so excited that you are here with us today. Let me ask you a question. Do any of you guys struggle with memory issues? Anybody? You kind of forget things, maybe things that are important. How many of you who are married, how many of you have ever forgotten your anniversary? Raise your hands up. Come on, raise them up high. Raise them up, raise them up. Okay. I'm noticing something right now. That's mostly men. Not saying it's all. Mostly us men. I've done that a time or two. Anybody forgotten a special birthday of someone, maybe someone that you love, you kind of forgot their birthday, raise them up, okay, all of us, okay, there's just a quick little commercial break before we go any further, I'm starting a brand new series next week called Dysfunction Junction, okay, all right, we're going to be, y'all remember that school of rock, that's what we're going to right there, Dysfunction Junction, we're going to be talking about those difficult relationships that we all struggle with, we all have dysfunction in our lives, we're going to be talking about what does the Bible have to say about how we navigate through some of the tough things that happen in our relationships. Could anybody use help with relationships? Yes, I certainly can. And so I'm excited about this series. We're going to be starting that next week. We've got these great cards that we're going to put in your hands and hope that you will uh, remember that and that you will also maybe invite somebody to come along with you. And see, the reason we're doing this series is because the holidays are coming up soon. You're going to be having family come in from out of town. Does anybody else have dysfunctional family like I do? Okay, we need some help from God's Word, and so I'm excited about that. But uh, it's been said on our staff that I have some serious memory issues, okay? And they like to take advantage of me because of my memory issues. I forget things all the time. Uh, Sometimes I forget why I even walked in a room. Does anybody do that? You walk in, what did I come in here for? They like to make fun of me. They make fun of me to my face. I think they do that because they know that on the, the next day I will forget that they even did that, okay? But I struggle. One time, one time, I forgot my wallet whenever we went out to eat for lunch as a staff. One time, and that real tall pastor that we have, what's his name? I can't remember today. He maybe has never let me live that down. I know you find that hard to believe, but, uh, but they like to tease me about that. Anybody else ever forgotten your wallet one time? Yeah, I've done that a time or two, maybe, okay? But I, I struggle with remembering things sometimes, and, and they laugh at the quirkiness of my memory as well. As I said, I sometimes can forget why I even walked in a room, but then they're like, "How you can quote scripture. And by the way, the other thing they say you can quote is you can also quote Seinfeld episodes. How do you remember those kinds of things, but you can't even remember what you did yesterday, right, sometimes? And apparently I have also forgotten some really important things, uh, especially like on Sundays. Um, on Sundays, it's really busy, right? And, and there's lots of people in the commons area, and people, I'm talking to as many people as I can. And apparently, this was about 12 years ago, apparently uh, there, was a, there was an Indian man who was in our service, and he had started a house church, and, and he came and introduced himself to me in between service, and, uh, and lots of people were moving around and stuff, and, and, and apparently he invited me to come speak to his house church, and apparently I agreed, all right? But I had no recollection of that whatsoever. He calls me on the Saturday night that I was supposed to speak there. He's like, are you coming? And I'm like, who is this? I don't even know who this is. That was a bad pastor moment. So here's what I've learned on Sunday mornings um, is that if, if, if you start asking me, I love to talk to people in between services, but if, if, if anybody asked anything of me or asked me to try to do something for them, I, I, you'll usually hear me say this. Hey, here's what I need you to do. Shoot me an email, send me a text, 
Do, you, do any of you do this as well? And then that way I'm, I'm sure to, to realize this. And because I oftentimes agree to things that I never even realize I'm agreeing to. All right. And my daughter has figured this out. Trinity has figured it out. And so she'll come in between services and catch me at a busy time and say, Daddy, can we go eat out to eat today? And I'll be like, yeah, Trinity. Yeah, 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 or whatever. And she's like, Daddy, can I have cheese? Y'all know I'm cheap, right? Can I have cheese? Can I, can, I have, can I have a soda, you know? And she's figured this out. Now, I, I know that if I tell you people this, that you'll try to take advantage of it. I already had three people after the first service say, hey, you agreed to take us out to dinner today or whatever. I'm like, I knew y'all would do this if, ever, if I revealed this. But, but I just struggle with, with my memory at certain times, and maybe you do as well. I struggle with this. And, or or how, about, how about this? Anybody, anybody have a problem with names? Anybody? All right. Problem with names? Yeah, try trying to remember a thousand of them, okay, all right? It's pretty tough. And, and so what do we do when we can't remember uh, one another's names? We say, hey, you, right? Hey, brother. We're being honest, right? Hey, buddy or lady or hey, buckaroo, right? If I ever call you buckaroo, I don't know your name. I'm just saying, all right? I probably will never say that. But we struggle, and sometimes we do have legitimate memory issues, okay? I know that I do really struggle with that, okay? But, but here's the deal. If I'm really just being transparent with you, there are no doubt memory issues at certain times, but sometimes for me, all right, being real, it's just kind of taking things for granted, Sometimes for me, it's just taking things for granted or, or when I get really busy, like in the video, as the video was rolling, the whole purpose of the video was this, these, these people are always moving. As soon as we wake up, we're going, right? I mean, we're busy people, and so sometimes we just get distracted. Sometimes we lose focus, don't we? Sometimes we begin to take, uh, you know, for granted things that are important in our lives, like relationships. I can take my, my wife, Hope, and our relationship for granted because we just kind of get used to one another. Or maybe newness wears off in any relationship. Or I could take my kids for granted. Or I could take the fact that I have a job and maybe you are in this boat, that I, that I, that I have income or, or that I have a place to live or that we have good food to eat and, and that we have clean water to drink. We can start taking those kinds of things for granted. We could take for granted the fact that we have an amazing church family, right? And we can take each other for granted. We can take for granted the fact that God has blessed us with a phenomenal facility that we have. I know there's a lot of people down in the coastal cities that they don't have it right now, right? It's easy to take things that God has blessed us with and to begin to take those things for granted. And God in his infinite wisdom, because he knows us better than we know ourselves and recognizes that we do oftentimes have memory issues, or maybe for many of us it's not that, it's gratitude issues, or we just lose perspective and we have perspective problems, God in his wisdom decided to instill some things that will cause us to slow down and intentionally reflect and remember the things that matter the most. He's really caused that. 
He's, he's, he's intentionally done that all throughout biblical history. You can see this, that, that he, would, he would instill things for his people to cause them to remember him to cause them to think about what it is that he has done and think of the Jews and how he instilled within them, his people, many different festivals. And every festival had a purpose and a reason and significance behind it. Things like the Passover, that Passover meal that they would share was a reminder of his deliverance for them out of Egypt and how the, how the blood of that lamb that was, that was slain was, was put on the doorpost and the death angel came over. Every bit of that meal is great significance of what he has done. And they were called to remember that. And all throughout the Bible, God has given us ways to remember what he has done for us because he knows that we have this flaw in our humanity and it is to begin to take for granted. It's to begin to just honestly get so distracted from what really matters most in our lives. And I know that I've struggled with this. In any relationship, we can begin to take that relationship for granted. You may even be sitting next to someone today that you've taken them for granted a little bit. And it's been a while since you've appreciated them or, they, or maybe they have felt appreciated by you, right? And in any relationship, even in our relationship with God, even in this wonderful relationship and when we reflect upon what he has done for us, even in that relationship, we can get distracted, can't we? I have. We can lose focus. The newness of what he has done in my life, I can kind of forget about that a little bit. And I can even get so overwhelmed by all the things that are happening in my life that I forget about who he is in my life. And so in the New Testament, one of the things that Jesus did was he gave two incredible visuals for the church to remember him by. To, to come to a place and a point of, of slowing down, pausing for a moment in the busyness of our life, stopping and coming to the place of remembering what he has done through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the two ways that he gave us is one is called baptism that we'll talk about in just a moment. And the other way is called the Lord's Supper or communion, which we will experience together today in remembering him. So if you've had a time in your life where you have come to a place where you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you began a relationship with Jesus, I'm not talking about being religious, but you started a relationship with God because of his grace and you accepted that and believed in him in faith, uh, you know, I, I want to bring you back to that place of reflecting upon what he has done for you. We all need to come back to that place. We need to settle in back at that place and remember. And so he gave us these, these things that would help us be reminded of what he has done. I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And I want to read a little bit of this passage. And here's what I really want to encourage you to do. Listen, folks, we need to come back to the place of the cross today. Let's come back to that. Whatever's going on, and I know we all have all kinds of things going on in our lives. Let's just slow down and come back to the place of the cross. And I want you to remember that time when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to remember what he has done for you. I want you to think about what he has rescued you out of. And how you've been forgiven of your sin. And how now you're no longer in bondage to who you used to be. You were given a fresh start. Look at what he says. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in chapter 2. 
Now watch this. God saved you by his, what does it say, church? What? Grace. It's getting something you don't deserve. Now, how did he do it? When you, key word right here, say it with me, when you did what? Believed. It wasn't on how much you come to church. It wasn't on on the religious activity you could do. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And I want to stop just right here and say that if you have never settled the matter of your personal relationship with Christ and have entered into that, I can't think of a better time before I even, you don't have to wait till the end of the service. You don't have to wait till I invite you to come down an aisle or raise your hand. You realize while I'm even talking to you right now that if you've never come to the place of of coming into that personal relationship with Jesus, by the way, that's why we started this church was so that you could know about his love right now where you, you don't even have to close your eyes and bow your head. You realize right now you can say, Jesus, I'm ready for you to be my savior. Right? Am I right? Right now, you can say, I'm ready to step across the line. I believe in you right now for eternal life. Will you be my Savior right now? Save me, Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, at that very moment when you step across that line, you have been born again. Amen, Amen, right? And so for those of you that that's already happened to, come back to the place of when that happened for you. Look at what he says. And you can't take credit for this salvation. It is a gift. You can't earn a gift. You just have to receive it. Take the gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now look at this, verse 11. Everybody say it with me. What does it say? Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget that you Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are people who were not of the Jewish nation. And so if you're not a Jew and not a part of that, you are one of these Gentiles, okay? I'm one of those. You used to be, you used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were so proud of their circumcision That was an external religious activity they had, an external sign. Even though, look at what it says, it only affected their bodies. But this is big, but it didn't affect their hearts. Here's what he's saying. Just by being a Jew, that doesn't save you. Just by going through the religious activity, the external stuff, it doesn't save you. Only your faith in Jesus Christ saves you. Coming to God in, in humility before him and acknowledging that he is the Messiah and that you need a Savior. Here's what he's saying. They, they were affected only in their bodies and not their hearts. Now, go back to the next phrase here. Go back to this time in your life. In those days, this is pre-Jesus, you were living apart from Christ. Well, sometimes we just need to go back and remember what we have been delivered out of. Amen? Because we just get, we just start going through the motions of our relationship with God. Go back to the place of trying to think about your life without Jesus. Now look at verse 13. But now, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ, not because you're religious. Through the blood of Jesus, 
Verse 17, he brought this good news of peace. That's peace between God and, and sinful humanity, which brings peace in our, in our horizontal relationships. Peace in the vertical with him, peace in the horizontal relationships. He says this, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. They were near, but they weren't in relationship. They knew the activities, but they weren't in relationship. Now, all of us can come to the Father. The, 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 the veil that was in the Holy of Holies has been split in two. You don't have to go through a priest. You, you get direct access. Jesus is your high priest. Now, you can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Now, read the next part with me out loud. Let's say it out loud. Because of what Christ has done for us. And that's what we want to remember today, what he has done for us. Isn't it incredible when you start really thinking about what Jesus has done for you? Amen, Amen right? That he, what he has delivered you out of, that amazing grace that we just sung about. And you know what's so exciting is that in the weeks where we began this Happiness Is series, about eight or nine weeks ago, for a two-week period where we were really just talking to people about what it meant to have a personal relationship with God. And we were seeing so many new people that have been coming into our church. You know that it, within a two-week period, we had about 30-plus people who stepped across the line in faith and said, I want Jesus to be my Savior. Can we praise God for that? Just within a couple of weeks, people just, when we started talking about that what Jesus is saying is, come to me poor in spirit. Come to me with all of your stuff, with all of your baggage. You come to me, and when you acknowledge in your humility that you need me, he said, I can't wait to make you a kingdom, a kingdom citizen, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so many of you stepped across that line, and we celebrate that with you. And, and we're so excited about your decision to follow Jesus. And we want to come alongside you and love on you and give you a church family and support you. And so because we have so many new believers in this church, because there are so many who are maybe coming and checking our church out, as your pastor, I have a responsibility to be sure that I'm teaching you biblically about what some of the next steps of obedience of following Jesus and what is called discipleship are. All right? We taught you about salvation and coming to faith in Jesus and that it's this free gift, but, but discipleship is, is beginning to follow Jesus and beginning to, 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 to obey him and, and walk with him. Now, for, so I want to talk to you a little bit about what is called baptism today. And for those of you who have already been scripturally baptized, which is going to be many of you who are here today. In fact, we've had the privilege of baptizing many of you here today. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to go, well, I've already heard these things. In fact, we had an incredible last worship service, and many people who have already been baptized said, I went back to the place of my baptism. I went back to the day that that happened, the day that I identified myself with Jesus, the day that I decided to follow him. So I want to challenge you today. Don't check out. I want to challenge you at this moment to, to begin to ask yourself this question. Since the day that you publicly declared yourself as following Jesus Christ on the day of your baptism, I want to ask you this. Are you following Jesus the way that you declared you would on that day? 
Are you still walking closely with him? Go back to the place of where it all began for you. Is your fire for Jesus as as white hot as it was when you first said, I want to follow you, Jesus? For many of us, if we're honest, it can easily begin to happen in our lives where we become lukewarm. Amen, right? And we kind of start taking things for granted and we kind of just forget. We get consumed by life and we start for, Go back to the place where it began for you. Go back to that place. Today, what it may be for you as it was for many in the first service, it may be a day for you where it's a day of renewal for you, where it's a day of recommitment for you, where it's a day where the Holy Spirit's challenging you and stretching you and you're going back and you're reflecting on the cross and you're remembering what Jesus did, it often leads to when you do that and come back to the cross, it will lead us to a place of rededication and recommitment. And Jesus knew this, which is why he said, I want you to reflect upon this often. I want you to think about what I've done for you. Don't ever forget the sacrifice I made for you. So as we talk for a moment about baptism, I want to be upfront with you about this, that we're not trying to lead anybody into any particular denomination. I have a Baptist background, but I want you to know that's the last thing I want to do is make a bunch of Baptists. I'll tell you that right now, okay? I'm not looking to make a bunch of Baptists. I'm not looking to make a, a bunch of Lutherans or a bunch of Methodists or Catholics or any. We have all kinds of folks from different kinds of, of backgrounds, okay? And so I, I don't want to lead you into that specifically, all right? You, so we, but growing up, you may have heard a number of different things about what it means to be baptized. You might have heard something in the Lutheran church that's a certain way. You might have heard something in the Baptist church or in your Catholic church or whatever, all right? And and so there's different kind of modes of that, which, again, I've told this story before. Some of you have heard it. Indulge me for a second, but some of you are new. I love this story. It reminds me, uh, I heard about a group of Baptist kids who were playing church, okay, and they decided to have a baptism. They'd heard a message on baptism, and they decided to play church. And so they were playing church, and, and they were looking for someone to share the gospel with. And the only, the only uh, you know, one that they decided they could do this with was their family cat. And so they shared the gospel with their cat. And it was an all-day experience trying to convert that cat because, as we all know, cats are very sinful, right? We know that very much. They are spawn of Satan. I'm kidding. All right. And, and it took all day, but the cat finally relented, okay? And so they decided in their good Baptist fashion that they were going to baptize this cat, all right, in the Baptist way, which is to submerge that cat under the water. And so that, this went on for about an hour trying to get this cat under the water. And that cat, as you know, they don't like water, was scratching and fighting and clawing and biting and all. Finally, one of the boys after an hour had had enough. He was, he'd had enough. He took a little bit of water in his hand and he sprinkled it on that cat's head and he said, fine, just be a Methodist then, all right? <laughs> The point is, I know we have all kinds of different backgrounds, and I think that one of the things that that makes us a great church is our diversity, and that so many of you come from different experiences, and I want to just very humbly say to you, as I talk about this for these next few moments, I want you to understand I'm not trying to slam your background or your upbringing or anything of that. Um, If you hear today something that is contrary Maybe to what your upbringing was, know this, that I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bag on that. Or I, here's what I would ask you to do, because here's what we do. 
We just, we want to reconcile and do what we do, not out of tradition. We want to do what we do because this is our authority. And so the question that we ask is, what does the Bible say? Not just what did I grow up with or what has, you know, maybe somebody told me, but we, we always want to go to the Bible as our authority. And so let me just say very clearly from the start, okay, this baptism does not make you a believer. It doesn't make you a believer. Only your faith in Jesus Christ can save you. The other thing I want to say before I go any more on this is I, I want you to understand that, that I as a pastor, I don't get a commission from God for how many people that I baptize, all right? There's not like, a, there's, no, there's no pressure from me today like to pressure you into this. What's it going to take for me to get you in a baptismal tank today, all right? Tell me what, and there's like, there's, there's no pressure from me. Here's what I totally trust in. I trust in the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. I trust that God will speak to your heart if he's leading you to this. If he does not speak into your heart about this, there's no pressure for me. You keep coming here. We want you here. I just want to tell you what the Bible says, okay? And I trust the Holy Spirit to speak. So baptism doesn't make you a believer. That is the first thing, and it's so important to remember. Ephesians 2, we just read, says it's not on these, these external things that we do, these external religious activities that make us a believer. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. The other thing is that it's not necessary for salvation. Okay. In fact, I, I would, I, for time's sake, I can't go in depth here, but Jesus told the thief on the cross on that specific day. So if you were to die before you got baptized, but you have placed your faith in Jesus, you are sealed in Jesus Christ. Your baptism is not contingent on whether you go to heaven or not. The thief on the cross believed in Jesus, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, so I just want you to understand that. So it's not a saving work to get you points with God where he's got this ledger going, oh, they got their baptism done. Okay, I'm let them into heaven now. It's not that, okay? It, it, it's, it's not necessary for salvation. But you should understand it does have very powerful spiritual implications in our lives. And, and some of you may be thinking, well, if it doesn't save me and it's not necessary for me to get to heaven, then is it really that important? And I think the Bible clearly communicates that it is important. And I'm going to show you that. And that it has these powerful implications in my life spiritually, okay? And I think, unfortunately, is what we see a number of times is we see people who come to faith in Jesus Christ and we celebrate that. But oftentimes in many churches and even in ours, maybe we don't teach enough about what some of the next steps of, of, of discipleship should be. And so here's the thing. Jesus told us to not just make converts. Jesus told us to make disciples. That's what he commanded us to do as a church. And part of discipleship, the first step of that is following him in what is called believer's baptism. And so a lot of times people won't follow through with baptism because for various reasons. Sometimes it's just out of ignorance. Sometimes they don't know what they're supposed to do because they haven't been taught properly. I had three people in between service come up to me today after the first service and say, thank you for teaching that. I have never heard that taught. I was like, wow. Thank you for sharing that with me because it's important that we as your pastors teach this. In fact, we should be teaching you so you can be teaching others. Amen, right? 
Isn't that what we're supposed to do? So that you can explain it, so that you know why you got baptized, so that you understand when you start sharing with your children, you, you, you don't have to just say, come talk to Pastor Bart. You can say, let me tell you what that means. Not that I don't, I love talking to you kids. I'm just saying, it's a good thing for you to be able to, to know why you believe what you believe. So for some, it may just be you just don't know. For some of you, it could be disobedience, and the Lord's been speaking to you, but you've been saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just not ready to do that yet, or I don't want to do that. For some, it could just be out of fear. I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to get wet, or I don't, I'm afraid of the water. I'm afraid of people watching me. So there are a number of valid reasons that people wrestle with. What I hope to do is kind of eliminate those for you and just and encourage you today as we look at what the Bible says about it. So let's just look at these questions that many people will have about baptism, okay? And, and, and we don't ask, uh, as we come with an open mind, we don't say, well, what did I grow up with? Or what does Pastor Bart say? Here's what we always want to say. What does the Bible say? What does God's Word say? That is our authority. So number one, what is scriptural baptism? What is it? We want you to understand that baptism and communion are two what are called ordinances. They're ordinances that were given to the church by Jesus. And here's what they are. They are visible symbols of his grace in our lives. They're visible symbols of it. And in the context of both of these, all right, believers, that's you and that's me, we have an opportunity to remember and to reflect upon what Christ has done in our life and the visible symbol of what he's done in our lives. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says this. Paul writes to this church. He says, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord as some of you have done and done recently, he says next, and now you must continue to follow him. In other words, you want to start being a disciple now. You don't want to just want to come to the place of accepting Christ and then not grow as a newborn in Christ. It's, it's, it's now time for you to begin to grow. It's time for you to begin to mature and not stay a spiritual infant but to grow up and to begin to grow in him and to follow Jesus and to do what he's called you to do. So verse 12 says, it's going to begin to talk about some of that process of discipleship. For you were buried with Christ Jesus when you were, what's the word? Baptized. Buried with him and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So when we baptize people, whether it's in Eagle Mountain Lake or whether it's going to be in our awesome new uh, baptistry that we're going to have, an outdoor baptistry water feature, that is going to be so cool, okay, all right, and or, or it's in the, the, we have a baptistry tank, I've baptized people in, in swimming pools, anywhere I can get them underwater, I will baptize them, okay, all right, but here's the deal, whenever we do that, we say, have you trusted Christ as your Savior, and that person says, I have, and it's your outward profession of faith, and I say upon, or whoever's baptizing them, sometimes it's dads, sometimes it's friends, whatever, moms, on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, right, buried, and I don't hold you down that long, I promise, okay, raised to walk 
in a brand new life and people go crazy applauding for this reason. They're celebrating that Jesus was dead and buried and raised back from the life because they're remembering that. And you know what they're celebrating? They're celebrating that the old you is dead and gone and buried with Jesus and have been raised to walk in a brand new life. They're celebrating your fresh start. Isn't it awesome? It's awesome. So here's the things, just really quick, that it illustrates. It, it illustrates Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It illustrates the believer's union with Christ in his death and his resurrection, that you're unified with Jesus in this. It illustrates the new life that you have as a disciple of Jesus now. The old you is gone. Do you realize that? When you place your faith in Jesus, you, the old you hung on the cross with him. And that's what it says. I have been, Galatians 2.20, I have been what? Crucified with Christ. And now you've been raised with him. You are alive now. You're no longer the walking dead. You're alive in Jesus, Right? It also illustrates a cleansing and washing away of sin in our life. That he washes us with his blood. He forgives us. So it powerfully preaches those gospel truths. It's this powerful symbol and reminder of what God has done in your life. What he's done for you. Another way of saying it is this. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward happening. 25 years ago, I stood in an altar with my soon-to-be bride, Hope. And we stood there together, and in front of a crowd about this size, I had made a commitment and entered into a covenant with her on that day, and she entered into one with me, a covenant before God and all of our friends and family that said, I am deciding to be in relationship with you and to, to be married to you for the rest of our lives and on that day, as God was joining our hearts together, we exchanged a symbol that signified that that had happened. What is that symbol? It is this wedding ring. This ring right here. Now, this ring did not make me married, but it shows that I am married. Here we go. Am I still married? Yes. It's not not married, married. Not mar That doesn't work like that, does it? It doesn't make me married, but it shows that I am. It shows that I'm not ashamed to be in relationship with her. I want the whole world to know that I'm in a committed love relationship with my wife, right? I mean, can you imagine? And there's great accountability when I wear this ring, when I look at it and I'm reminded, when I face temptation like all of us do, and I'm reminded of a commitment I made. It's this powerful symbolism. Can you imagine if I would have said to Hope, I'll make a commitment to you today. I'll marry you, but I'm not wearing that ring. I got to keep my options open, all right, right? I mean, that would not go over well. Have I told you about our series coming up called Dysfunction Junction? Have I told you all about that? Starts next week, okay? Starts next week. Can you imagine that? I don't think she would appreciate that. It doesn't make me married. It just shows that I am. 
And it shows that, I, that, I, that I've made a promise to her. There's accountability with it. So your baptism doesn't save you. It's an outward expression of your internal decision to follow Jesus. It's your reminder of when you came to faith in Christ and you became a new person. For some of you, it may have been about 15 minutes ago for the first time. The old person died with Jesus and the new person was raised to walk with Jesus. But some people might, might say, well, well, if it doesn't save me, well, then why should I? So here's the next question. Why should I? It often comes up. Well, after the resurrection, Jesus spent some very intentional time with his disciples. And he assembled them together up in Galilee, most likely on the same mountain where he gave those beatitudes and preached that same Sermon on the Mount that we've been talking about. And before he went back to the Father, he told them this. And these were his last words. And whenever someone gives their last words, they are important, are they not? He said, listen to me. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because of this, I'm transferring my authority to you. You go and make disciples. The imperative command, which means it's not an option. He's giving it to us. The imperative command is make disciples. Make disciples. Now, he's going to give participles that say how we are to be doing this. Make disciples. So going is one of those participles. We're to be going. It's a part of that. We don't just say, y'all come to us. No, we're told to go to the world. All right? And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's all people groups all over the world. Now look at what he says. Baptizing. That's another part of that discipleship. And in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, that speaks of joining in relationship right there. Teach these new disciples, that's what I'm trying to do today, to obey all the commands I've given you. Teach them. So the, the make disciples, we do it by going, by baptizing, by teaching. That's what he's called us to do. And be sure of this, that I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here is why we do this. Number one, Jesus commanded it. He gave us this great command. And we want to follow his command. Secondly, it evidences that I am a disciple of Jesus. So in response to the command that Jesus gave us, as to the one to whom all authority has been given, I very humbly ask this question, okay? Who am I to come along and say, why should I do that? When he has said all authority has been given to me. Go do this. So he commanded it. So as a Christ follower, I recognize when I trust Jesus, at that moment, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price, is what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. When we follow through in obedience to his baptism that he has called us to, we preach the gospel to people around us. That death, burial, and resurrection there's no greater opportunity to share about your faith with your lost friends or those that don't know Jesus yet, those who are not connected to him. No greater opportunity than when you step up and say, I'm going to identify with Jesus. I want them to know about this. We boldly identify. We acknowledge when we come to faith in Christ that we have been dead in our sins and we've been raised to new life. So look at this powerful verse right here, Romans 6. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you, what's the next word? Forgotten? We forget, don't we? That when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, I'm trying to bring you back to that today, we joined him in his death. 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead, from the, de- by, from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Can we read the next part out loud? This is great news, folks, right here. Say it with me. We are no longer slaves to sin. Hallelujah, right? I don't have to be entrapped or enslaved by that junk anymore. For when we died with Christ, we were set free. You're set free. You're not in bondage anymore to the power of sin. So I do it as a follower of Christ because he commanded it. I do it because it's a bold, boldly identifies me as a believer. Go back for just a moment to the first century church. They were surrounded and persecuted deeply as I talked last week. And so they would go down. People would come to faith in Christ and they would follow through with baptism. They would go down to a place like the Jordan River. And you need to understand that there weren't a lot of people around those riverbanks that were in support of their decision. Many of them were there and they were... They were looking at them. Many of them were their family members looking at them. Are you really going to leave our Jewish faith to follow this Jesus who was crucified? And so many of them, by being baptized and identifying with them, many of them were signing their death warrant. In many places like Vietnam and in Muslim countries, it happens every day. When when you boldly identify with Jesus, you're going to face persecution. Again, we don't quite face it like here as, as all over the world does in many circumstances, but it was a bold identification. And, and many would say, if you go through this, you're out of the family. If you go through this, I won't do business with you any longer. You became an outcast. Do you see, it was a big deal to say, I'm following Jesus. No matter what it costs, I'm going to follow Jesus. There's a boldness. They never entered into it flippantly. Jesus said, I died for you and I hung publicly on a cross for you. I don't want you to ever be ashamed of me. You know the world uh, you know, doesn't want you to stand with me. Jesus said salvation is free, but discipleship, it's costly. It's costly. And again, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached to thousands one day in the temple courts. And, and this was revolutionary what was happening. And he preached the gospel of Jesus to all of these Jews who were there. And it says that, that the Lord opened their eyes. And those who believed what Peter said were what? Baptized and added to the church about 3,000 in all, boom, a mega church was born. The first one, right? It was born. And they baptized 3,000 people that said, we realize this Messiah is Jesus. And we will identify with him. Baptism, so it answers this question, who should be baptized? Believers. Those who have have placed their faith in Jesus. When you read the Bible, you will find that it was explicitly related to repentance 
and a person's ability to cognitively decide to follow Jesus Christ. That's why it's called believer's baptism. And in Acts chapter 8, here's what it says. But now the people believe Philip. He was the evangelist. His message of good news, that's the gospel. That is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and you can have eternal life through him. Concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Now, because they believed, look what happened. As a result, many men and women were baptized. They identified with Jesus. Then Simon himself, what did he do? Believed, and then what did he do? Baptized. Do you see the order there? I could show you the Philippian jailer. I could show you Paul, Cornelius. So many biblical examples that I could show you of people, the apostles, one right after another, who came to faith in Christ first and then were baptized. Not the other way around. It's not the other way around. And again, I'm not trying to slam anyone's upbringing, but you won't find any biblical evidence, you won't find it, of, of what is called infant baptism. Now, I'm not saying that that wasn't a special thing for your parents. It was. And it's a, it was a wonderful thing for your parents to celebrate you and to celebrate what that means. And I'm not trying to bring shame on you if that's what you did or that's been your experience. I'm not saying it wasn't special. In fact, my dad's whole side of the family is Irish Catholic. So this was kind of our experience and this was his experience. But my dad later on came to a place where he realized he had never come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ until he was in his 30s. And he asked Jesus to be his savior. And he realized, I need to follow Christ in believer's baptism. My mom did the same thing, but she just happened to be a Baptist who grew up religious. Guess who else did that? Right here. I, I walked down an aisle when I was eight years old, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But at that time, I didn't really understand what was happening for me. I signed a card, and I don't, I don't even blame the people who were, they were doing their best with that. But next thing you know, I got baptized. But I want you to know, I did not place my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior until I was about 14 years old. And, and then for a five-year period, I would hear teachings on how baptism happened after the belief. Baptism happened after the conversion. But I kept holding on. I even was on staff at a church when I was 19 years old, and I still had not been baptized. And the reason I wouldn't do it was for two reasons. One, fear. What will people think of me? Because most people kind of think that I've already got all that kind of together. The other thing was pride. What will people think of me? So fear and pride were holding me back. I was on a mission trip in Mexico, and the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me for several years at this point. When are you going to follow me in obedience? It will be a powerful testimony. So I went to my pastor, and I said, I need to talk to you. I need to let you know that I got baptized before I got saved. I've never been scripturally baptized. And he looked at me and said, how? dare you. No, he didn't say anything like that. <laughs> but in my mind, that's what I thought might happen. How could you begin to follow Jesus in this way? I just don't know. He said, Bart, do you realize your story is the story of so many? And he said, would you tell it to our church? And I was 19 and I spoke to a group of 850 people 
I won't make you do that, all right? But I just said, and I told him that story, and I got baptized. And I want you to know when I did, that was one of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced in my life because I followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I let go, and I said, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Instead of holding on to that fear and pride, and that might be your story. Maybe that's you. So how should a person do this? I won't spend much time here, but, but we do this by immersion because that's what we find in the, in the Bible. We don't, we don't find sprinkling in any of that. We find that it's baptizo. The Greek language is very specific, and it always meant to submerge, to dip under, to plunge under. That's why we do it that way. The other reason is that immersion best illustrates what have we been saying? A death. A burial, and what? A resurrection. It preaches that, right? It's a death also to our old self and a birth into our new life. After, look at Jesus, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the word there is baptizo, he was submerged. It says, the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased I want to do it like Jesus did it. I want to follow the way Jesus did it. Every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. The word is baptizo. Scripture here in Acts, as they rode along, Philip has just shared Christ with a man who was hungering to know the gospel. He shares Christ with him, and as, as it, he became a believer at that moment, they're riding along in his chariot, and as they rode along, they came to some water, and this man said, this eunuch said, look, there's some water, and he asked the best question ever, why can't I be baptized? Man, he was ready to get down to business right there. I'm going to follow Jesus. He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptizo him when they came up out of the water. So here's the last question. Why should I not? We started with why, but really the better question is, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, why would you not? Like that man, why would I not? I want people to know that I am a follower. It's not an inconvenience. It is a privilege to identify myself with Jesus. Amen? It's a privilege to say, I follow Jesus. And maybe some of you, you received Christ a while back and you've never followed him for diff- in this area for different reasons. It's my job to tell you about it so that you can make an important decision in your life. Maybe some of you, I don't know about that, or I've been scared of the water, or I don't know what my family's going to think, or, or my makeup might run, I don't know, you know, or my hairpiece might float, and if it does, I'll push it down in the water, I promise you, all right? Whatever, we'll get all of you dunked, okay? And, or, or, or whatever, you have many different reasons But today, why would you not when you know and the Holy Spirit is nudging your heart and he's he's speaking to you about it? If he is, it's this symbolic act. But yes, it, it is such an incredible experience that God wants you to follow with rich spiritual meaning. I get asked all the time, why do you guys not always like have a come forward invitation? And I want you to know there's nothing wrong with doing that. 
but you won't find that in the Bible. And it doesn't mean we won't do it and we can't do it. It just means this, all right? It doesn't have to be done. The public profession of faith is not raising a hand. It's not walking down an aisle. The biblical public profession of faith is baptism. That's what it is. So that's why we do it the way that we do it. Nothing wrong with that other way. So you may be saying, well, well, when can I do this? Well, we're having a baptismal service on the 25th of October on a Wednesday night. And maybe you can't make that night, but maybe you're interested in just finding out more. The way that you can do that is there's a card that is close to you that's called a connect card. It looks like this. And you can indicate, put your name and your information and one of our staff will call you and we'll just talk to you. You won't get pressured from us. We'll just talk to you about it. Maybe you don't want to do the old school way of signing up there. You go online and you can ask and sign yourself online and someone will communicate with you about that. Now, I want to transition our service. and We are going to come to the place of the cross. The other thing that he said, remember me by, he said, remember me when you receive the Lord's Supper. Jesus, on the night, I want to go ahead and invite our band to come up. They're going to go ahead and come on out here. So we're going to get to a place of remembering what Christ has done for us when we have communion. We remember the sacrifice. When we take the bread, we remember Jesus on the night before he was to be crucified. He shared in the Passover meal, a very significant meal with his beloved disciples. And he was teaching them up until that very last moment. They, they would eat a lamb that was sacrificed. That lamb, the blood was put over the doorpost. The, the, the angel of death would pass over. They would remember the deliverance that God had done for them. He took bread that was unleavened, which meant that there was no sin. It was symbolic of sinless. And he said this, he said, look, I'm the Passover lamb. When you eat the bread and he tore the bread in front of him, he said, when you have this bread, remember my body that was broken for you. Don't ever forget what I did for you. Then he, he took a cup, one of the two cups of the covenant there, and he said, when you drink this wine, it's symbolic of my blood that I will be shedding for you that forgives you of your sin. And, it, and now, it, instead of just one time a year you getting exper this experience of the forgiveness of sin on the Day of Atonement, I will forgive your sin once and for all. The veil of the Holy of Holies is split in two. And now you're able to come into this place of relationship with me. Don't ever forget this. So I want us to remember today. He's called us to remember. Maybe we'll just at this moment just bow our heads before him. And you come back to the place of the cross. We invite you to participate in communion today. As Pastor Randy said, you don't need to be a member of Eagles View Church, but you, you should be a believer in Jesus Christ as the Messiah a believer, and he is your personal savior. You've asked him to save you. That is very important. Today, this may be a day of recommitment for you. If you're a believer today, you come to this place of remembering what he has done. 
In a moment, you'll have an usher that will direct you to one of the stations. If you would like to have communion today and remember him in this way, you'll go the direction that the usher points you in on the outside aisles. You'll get your your bread and you'll get the cup of juice and you'll go down the middle aisle back to your seat and at your own pace, you will partake of the Lord's Supper and remember the body that was broken and remember the cup that represents the blood of Jesus. Maybe some of you would not do not want to participate today and you're just going to abstain and that's okay. You can just quietly remain in your seat in just a a moment of of reverence and worship with us. Believer, just take a moment to give thanks to the Lord for his sacrifice. This is a supper of gratitude, a supper of thanksgiving. It's a time of confession of sin. It's a time of repentance. Maybe some of you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and He's he's been pursuing you your whole life. You may just call on Him to be your Savior right now. Jesus, I know you're speaking to me. In faith, I place my trust in you as my Savior. Father, thank you for your great sacrifice. Lord Jesus, thank you that you endured the cross and the shame of it. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was spilled for us so that we could forever be in relationship with you the way that you made us to be. We celebrate and we remember today. In Jesus' name.